What did Joe Mehmet think of a 16-year-old Lee Stafford? And be honest. Broadcasting from Sheffield, it is the 1st of April 2021 and you're listening to Salonomics. The Bitcoin price is currently $58,300. I'm your host, Aaron Dawn, and joining me once again from North London is my hair guru, Joe Mehmet. And also we have a special guest on this week's show, Mr. Lee Stafford. What was that? I, I don't know. Lee Lee just did some fancy stuff with the intro and stuff. <laughs> it, it, it's very fancy. <laughs> Joe, have you got a light you can turn on so we can see your <laughs> handsome face? Well, I could have, well, there we go. Um, my wife would be happy with with her sort of like her clothes hanging out with her. Her clothes up there. No, we can't see there. them. Dirty knickers hanging over the bed. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's there's one here. <laughs> <laughs> there's dogs and things. You know what I mean? Yeah, my wife would like that. <laughs> right. Welcome to the show, everyone. Salonomics. We have gone like fully high definition. Joe's got his ear bins on. He's looking alien-like over there. It's my Bluetooth. Tech pro now. Yeah, I'll give it. <laughs> He's a tech pro. He's downloaded Chrome today. <laughs> so let's give him a round of applause. Woo! <laughs> I mean, why would I need Chrome when I got Safari? Well, yeah. apparently so. so. So you can communicate with us today, apparently. That is, yeah, that is true. So then, um, yeah, thanks for joining us today, Lee. It's a good oh, pleasure yeah. to welcome you to the Salonomics <laughs> yes. podcast. Are you our first guest? Lovely to first, be here. Am I your first guest? First, first guest. guest. Yes, first, and I hope we won't be last Joe anyway. was my first guest. Joe yeah. was my, and then he, he never went away. He's been... <laughs> you know, I can't get rid of him. can't get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> we decided then and there, didn't we? We was like, well, let's start a podcast. It was fun. Yeah, exactly. we, can, we can bring up certain subjects that we've both got opinions on and we can just thrash them out and explore them. Mm. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's where we are today. Salonomics, this is our 25th show. This is our first ever guest. 25th show. The first yeah. time we've ever used video. Yes. Because a lot of feedback I was getting from the early shows was, it's a bit of luck you're not on TV because Joe has no <laughs> face for radio. No, I was never good on TV anyway. You know that. I do like the YouTube when we do the YouTube thing. No, I, I know. Really, I didn't really like, like it. Really. Right, but the point is, we tried it, didn't we? We liked yeah, that's right. stuff. And we've got this principle, Lee, of yeah. if we enjoy it, we carry on doing it. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Right, yeah. and, exactly. and this relates nicely into where we all are in our careers now. Um, yeah. Obviously, if people don't know the backstory, Lee has been a hairdresser. Uh, he's been the the head of an international brand for what twenty years now. Um, before that, he owned multiple salons all over the UK. International hairdresser, product range. You know, there's pretty academies, much. Academies. Well, 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 was you ever, was you ever um, hairdresser of the year? Was you the uh, hairdresser of the year? Yeah, you... award winning. Yeah, we'll throw that in. We did a show on uh, our all yeah. the scan, didn't yes. we? Like two two yeah. weeks ago. <laughs> well, I've, oops, sorry. Which is a great well, show. I've uh, raised that. Uh... Well, I've, I, oops, sorry, guys. I, I did have that on mute. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been judging uh, the British Hairdressing Awards and the Creative Head Awards 
amongst other awards for many years there. So I've seen it on both mm. sides, you know. Both sides. Yeah. So, yeah, so basically I just wanted to do a little brief overview of Lee. And, and obviously I now want to do a little brief overview of, well, we don't need to give your, in, your story, Joe, but hopefully by you two explaining how you first met, um, obviously, Joe, Love is in the air. Joe, used to work, Joe used to work at a salon called Neville Daniel, which is one of the top London salons back in the day, and still yeah. is to some respect. No, it doesn't exist. How can it be? Doesn't All exist. Right, whatever. All right, semantic. <laughs> but basically, Lee turned up at Neville's salon as a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, 16-year-old teenager. His mum brought him in for an interview. And then how long was it between the interview and you starting, Lee? I, I can't remember. I mean, I think it was pretty much... A few days? Straight away. I mean, it, must be, it must have been straight away. I, mean, I don't know if many um, young people actually go to interviews with their mum and dads. No, no. I mean, is that a normal thing, do you think, Joe? Not, I mean, not in this I, day. I, I, Central London, I think, <laughs> I, think, yeah, I think it's sort of demographically speaking, yeah. in Essex, yes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think my mum was so keen to get me working that she was just but why did she choose Daniel though? Did she choose Daniel? No, you know what it was? I was in the salon with her in Essex, yeah. and um, and the fella who was doing her hair gave her a few salons for her to ring, and okay. Neville Daniel was one of them. Sorry, we just um, lost Lee for two minutes. But yeah, no, let me carry on to the story. So essentially, Lee turned up at Neville where Joe was a full-time member of the team. Yeah. We first met Lee when he was dragged up to London from Essex by his mum to visit, yeah. to come for an interview. And then obviously on day one, when Lee went for his first full day as a 16-year-old apprentice, he had to pretty much assist you, right? So what sure. I want to know is, what did Joe Mehmet think of a 16-year-old Lee Stafford? And be honest. And be honest. Wait, if you remember the first question I asked you, which football team do you support? Ah. And I said Arsenal. That's it. Give it. <laughs> give it. That was it. That was it. Yeah. Do you like women? He goes, yes. Do you like football? Yes, Arsenal. That was it. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was it. It was like, right, you know, that, that was, it was in. It was in. No, it, it was, you know, it, I, I, you've got to sort of take on memory, Joe, of Lee at 16, like when you well, first, what's your defining memory? Like, I, I feel dedication, mate. I really believe, right, to come from South End all the way to central London at that age, it, it probably costs more money. Oh, yeah. I, earn, I can earn all my, all my money wages when I'm travel to and from work. It, it, exactly. I mean, that is dedication, right? That actually sets the foot. Uh, but tell me this, Joe, because I've never asked anybody this question before. Were there other young people that, that were travelling four hours a day to get to no, and from work? No. You, you know what? I was, I was thinking about this the other day when, when, Lee said, when Aaron said you were coming up to Leeds, right? I was thinking about it. You, you're the only person that I know right, wow. that, went, that did that journey. I, I know there was hairdressers who lived in Luton, Broccoli, you know, South, South London, things like that, but not juniors. Juniors are a different sort of like, uh, approach to it, right? Because, you know, it be, when you're young, you're 16, 17 years old, it's a very different, um, 
work work mode, the ethics. Because mm. you already had because you, you had a work ethic at that point then, really. Mm. And you know, and you know what you wanted. So it didn't really matter what what it was you were getting then, right? It's what you wanted. Mm. That's how I see it. And what yeah. you wanted made put was the platform for where you are today. Yeah, I think I think Neville Daniel was it was it was it taught me well it was it was it was a great place to start your journey yeah, because it was. it was in the middle of the King's Road and at the time yeah. the King's Road was the hottest place in London. That's right. Um yeah. you know it was you know old Daniel used to drive up to work every day in his brand new Mercedes. Mercedes. Yeah, he loved the Mercedes. And someone would valet park it for him. He'd have his jewelry yeah. yeah, on. And I was like, wow, this guy's like, you know, he's wealthy. And, you know, and, and the clients that were coming in, you had mixtures from supermodels and heiresses and, you know, and all yeah. the team like yourself were pulling up with motorbikes mm. and were cool and doing shoots. I mean, there's a young 16-year-old you know, traveling up from Essex, it made an impression. I thought, wow, this hairdressing lark, this, there's, there's something in this, you know. It, it was rock and roll. It, it was rock and mm. roll, and that's how hairdressers should be. I mean, we we talked about it in previous shows, right? It was really was rock and roll because, I mean, regardless of the journey, right? What time did you stop? At five o'clock in the morning. You, you kind of got to uh, leave leave home right because you had to be at work at a certain time didn't you mm. and and never daniel were very strict on them um, punctuality you couldn't mm. afford to be late i remember when i was junior but the amazing thing was was that you get to work say half past eight nine o'clock it was gone just like that you know before you yeah. know it it was six o'clock seven o'clock mm. because and the great thing about it was that there was never two days the same was there? I mean, it really mm. was because all of a year, all of a sudden, right, you would just go by because I mean, you did your apprenticeship what two, two and a half years, right? Before no, you know, I wasn't there that long, actually. Well, over a year. I don't even think I was there a year. Really? No. But when I was there, you know, you had people like Errol Douglas were there, right? Richard right. Ward was there, you right. know, you Thomas assistant. Thomas McIver. McIver. So this tell you, so you started the King's Road and they closed the King's Road down and we and we all moved to um, Sloan Street. Yeah, I was gone then. You was gone by that time. Yeah, I was gone. So so where because because uh, if I remember rightly right, Thomas McIver did work in um he, he did work in the King's Road, he did actually. He did. Yeah. Do you do you remember him? He always wore black, didn't he? He always wore black, easy yeah. way Izzy Miyake always wore black. That was, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what what has happened to Thomas McIver? Well, it, well, he he was actually very successful at one time, didn't he? He started streeters, mm. didn't he? He went over he, to New York. Streeters. Yeah, yeah, with his wife, I believe. I mean, I I would know the story more about it than I would because uh, he's more into that sort of like that that world than I am. Yeah. But he did start streeters, and that's what he wanted to do. He didn't want to do clients. Mm. Like, he actually wanted to charge like 200 quid just to pick up a comb. That was his um, one of the operators. Yeah. It really was. Yeah, I thought, if I had to pick up a comb, I would have charged 200 quid. And this mm. is in the 80s. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, so he went over to New York, didn't he? I, if I remember rightly, right, Neville Daniel didn't like him because he was, he was uncontrollable. I mean, he was very talented, but he was uncontrollable, really. Yeah. In a way... Yeah, I always remember rightly, there was always a little bit of fusion 
between not fusion tension between yeah. uh, Thomas and Daniel. There was, there was, because yeah. I mean, Dan, Daniel was very much like yourself, Lee. He, he had a very strong work ethic, and, and he went, he went on those principles, right? Which I learned, you learned, and we we are where we are today. Thomas didn't have that ethics. You know, he, he was too much of a maverick. Fucking talented. Excuse my French, but he was talented beyond boom. But I think when he came to doing clients beyond chairs, he didn't have that skill set. I, I think in front of a camera, awesome. But beyond a chair, different different level, really. And I think yeah, that's, really that's, that's really interesting. So it goes back to um, how I categorize you two. Like in my brain, obviously yeah. you two have been two of the biggest influences on me, not only as a person, but in terms of career and, you know, your principles and how you've like kind of progressed through your career. Um, you know, Joe, you're very much on the, I'm a service provider. Yeah, that's it. Almost. And Lee has always been very much more the, you know, a hairdresser artist kind of thing. Right. I mean, and yeah. I think you're explaining there with Thomas, Thomas MacGyver. MacGyver, yeah, Thomas MacGyver. Yeah. Like he was the artist to your service provider would that yeah yeah well yeah because we had roger remember roger britnell lee yeah so so skinny so yeah exactly right i mean he he was more the artist creative director but the only thing about roger britnell was that he wasn't very approachable was he he was always very standoffish amazing Quiet. yeah but Quiet. amazing cutter i mean mm. I, I look at cutters right and i think of certain people but and roger's there in that category mm. and the other one i used to love mario oh mario bless mario you know he changed his name don't you but so, beethoven yeah it was beethoven what happened to mario uh, unfortunately he died oh did he yeah oh, he, okay. he 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 went to um he went to peru Right, about seven, eight years ago. Um, he, he just wanted to go to South America and um, he died. He died there. Nobody oh, got there. He's one of those situations, right? He just completely switched off life and he died. Mm. Um, mm. You know, yeah, but we had some great laughs with Maria. Did you ever uh, get out with him? Yeah. Oh, God. I was, I was quite young, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he, out at like six days. I probably did it go out for a few beers. I can't yeah. really remember. Hey, he, he was a walking alcoholic. He was an alcoholic, right? But he would have one drink, he was gone. <laughs> yeah. Because he was he was in the system all the time. He just wouldn't come out. Yeah. Um, but it, it was brilliant. Tim died as well. Remember Tim? Yeah. He died as well. What did Tim die of? Yeah, well, he, he had a collapsed lung. He did. He, well, he did have a collapsed lung, right? What he did, he had a, a murmur in his heart. We were playing golf. We were in um, in, in Spain, Marbella, one of the golf courses. Not Salta Grande, but well, um, Nacho. What's what's oranges in the uh, Los Naranjos? Los Naranjos golf course, right? Naranjos. And we we there's we were we were on the fifth hole, I think it was, because we just all started. You weren't arguing about scores again, Joe. No, 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 no. Actually, this is a very funny story beforehand. We went into golf course, right? Anyway, Tim went Tim went into the rough, okay. And and these and the rough was called inside long reads. Anyway, he's trying to get himself out the rough. He had a heart attack. What on the golf course? 
Oh my God, because I swear to God, why go with you? With you? Well, yeah, we were with Tim, Mario. No, not Mario. Um, Noah and Tony, right? We were four of us. What Tony and, uh, who we was talking about earlier? Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. And um, anyway, he had a, he had a, he had a heart attack on the on the golf course. So we rushed over to him, but we were right in the fifth hole. So how do you carry someone? We saw this. Um, we saw this um, gamekeeper. On a, on, a, on a buggy, right? Without to say, Mon ami, amigo, how did that? Oh, you know, we, we, we sort of do the animation that our friend had a heart attack. Anyway, we sort of got him onto the, um, onto the trolley, the buggy, took him to the clubhouse. Clubhouse, ambulance came and everything. He was there for about six, seven weeks because he had insurance, but because, because the air ambulance cost an awful lot of money, they just kept him there till actually could fly back first class, mm. really. And then he never recovered from it, really. You know what I mean? He he um, he went he went and go and work. How old was he, Joe, when that happened? He was he was he must have been his thirties. You wow. know, I mean, I'm going I'm going back to, I'm going back about nineteen ninety. That's frightening, isn't it? You know what I mean? But it was right. this, anyway. No, I was yes, say, I've just uh, come up with the title of today's show because I feel that this probably. I thought we're doing. I thought this was a show. <laughs> yeah, this is a show, but now I've got the name for it. It's going to be called Death and Taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guarantee, guarantee. Yeah. I'll tell oh, you yes, a funny, oh, you a funny story in Gov Show. I mean, the day oh, before, right? Because we were in Club Med. That's it, we were in Club Med. The day before, we were, we were playing this golf course, right? There's four of us. After a couple of rows, right? This, this ball, right, came whooshing past us, yeah? It was a blood plane on its own. And um, anyway, as he walked near to us, yeah, he saw like, um, he said, sorry, guys. And he started to talk to uh, one of our friends, Noah. And, and Noah says to me, look, he wants to join us. I said, well, there's five of us. But I said, it's up to you, Noah, right? If you, if you want to join us, right, then that's, uh, that's your problem. So he started, we started saying there's five of us on the golf course, yeah, which is illegal, as, as you know. Anyway, after a few holes, right, I heard this noise. F off, you bastard. And he started throwing his golf club at this bloke. And this bloke's running away. And we saw, like, we called him back. I said, no, what's happened? He pitched my bum, didn't he? <laughs> 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 so this guy, right, pitched his bum, right? Well, and he obviously, got... yeah, he got the wrong message, didn't he? <laughs> well, you can only get one message, can't you? <laughs> That's oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So this is what I was going to kind of try and approach in today's show about cancel culture as well, and how okay, it's yeah. evolved since you guys used to be on the salon floor together. To now oh, today, yeah. you know, a lot of your memories you will share, and what obviously because we're we're obviously converting all this VHS footage from thirty years ago. A lot of the stuff that we're seeing is not palatable. For today's audience, is it not? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, in terms of like the no. actual context of like kind no. of what's going on, you know, the parties, people getting drunk and getting like, you know, just young people having fun. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Look at the it's schools these days. Parties are getting fun, though. Yeah, they? no, but I mean, in terms of like the context of like yeah. your career, where you are now, and like you know where it needs to be. So. So yeah, so basically, I was going to say. Um, so Joe, what did you did you recognise something in Lee when he was sixteen, which I, now I, you can see where his career trajectory has got well, into today? Could 100%. you see that? Yeah, listen. Like I said at the beginning, the, the dedication to actually get up in the morning, do that journey, 
into town. I, I think that is the quality. Because look, when you're a 16, 17 apprentice, right? You just, you know, the way he holds the scissors, the way he holds the hair or the, a, a hairdryer brush, right? I mean, the only difference between Lee and myself at that time when it came to um, blow drying, right, was that I couldn't handle a brush. He couldn't. He could hold the hairdryer, but he couldn't handle a brush. So you can't really sort of tell what the um, the qualities yeah. of a of, of a junior's going to be like. Technical though, but his his mentality and his attitude. Well, his, yeah, his dedication. We're going to go far, yeah. Yeah, because you know you go you you go into work right, and you've got to stay focused, and that's the thing that these these academies, which you know, I, I know that Lee's got his academy as well, right? I'm not sort like they don't teach these certain genus of qua. You know, do you know what I mean? It's you can't teach it. Well, I think because... I was quite fortunate because, like I said earlier, I was in a place that was fun and inspiring. So, yeah. as a young person, when you're in a place that's fun and, ex and inspiring, it's a bit easier to get up and go to work, isn't it? You know, yeah. people out there that are going to academies, they're going to salons where it's all a little bit sweaty better. Yeah, and it's not that and inspiring. that though. must be, even if you've only got five minutes to travel to and from work, you've still got to be there nine hours a day. Mm, yeah. And um, that's the problem, isn't it? You really need to be somewhere where you're surrounded by people that you aspire to. Yeah, and inspired yeah. by, yeah. Um, yeah. But did you, did, you, did you want to be better or be as good? I mean, because I know when I was working with Daniel, right, as junior, I wanted to be better than him. I really yeah. did. Whatever, whatever Daniel had, I, I, I wanted, I wanted to make sure, right, I had that plus me, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So that you had that competitive streak, right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, but I couldn't be competitive because I was holding the hair, right? I couldn't sort of say, do this, do this. I, I was holding the hair. I was watching. But I was watching, watching, watching. But I knew that whatever he's giving me, I'm going to absorb. And then I had my own um, bits and pieces. Did you think that as well, Lee? Um, I can't remember. I know that I was inspired by Daniel and the salon and the the, the you know the King's Road and all you guys and girls that work there. I was quite young though. I know that when I left Neville Daniel probably a couple of years later. I remember yeah. when I was trying to persuade Steve Turner to yeah. close his shop down uh, and come and join me. You know, my my pitch was that I wanted to be bigger than Vidal Sassoon. And at the time, Sassoon yeah, yeah. yeah. in the 80s were mega. So I, I suppose I, you know, I always set the bar high. Because you, you have to. You have, you have to. You have to. to reach for, didn't you? You know? Yeah, that's right. I mean, because... And I always remember that, you know, when I, even when I was very young and I was, you know, I, I couldn't do hair very well and no one knew me uh, and I was starting my career. I was looking at people that had made it, like your Auntie Muscolas and people like yeah. that, who were incredibly influential and talented at the time and were brilliant. But I always remember thinking, they're, they're only a man. They're only yeah. a woman. You know, whatever they can do, or I can do if I work hard enough. You know, so I never thought it was unobtainable. Yeah, you because know? if they could do, if they could do it, I could do it. Exactly, they're, they're, they're just yeah. a person. Mm. And if you apply yourself, if you work harder than they are, or they have, then you can go beyond where, where, where they yeah. are. Yeah, so I, I always had that belief. 
No, no, you're 100%. Look, I think that's spot on because you can't you can't get a better reference than that, I think, because that's mm. exactly how I was how I saw it. I probably wouldn't have put as eloquently as you did, but that's exactly how I saw mm. it. If they can do it, I could do it. Because yeah. I think that that's that's the thing about our industry. There was no discrimination, was there? There was no gender issues. You know, it didn't matter if you were gay, you were this, you were that. It didn't well, matter. Love clean. Was it clean? The, yes. The... Oh, I loved him. He was a little fat Welsh. They, 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 and, yeah, the, the, uh, the chef, the chef. Who's done, done all the catering in the salon? That's right. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story, um, didn't I? Yeah, I Joe's told me a story about I was a 16, you know, year old, blue-eyed, blonde boy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he loved me. Exactly. Well, and uh, and, and they I did loved though. him. He was amazing. And, they were, and this is it, you know, I mean, you know, we're talking about 30, I mean, when I started in the 70s, right, you started in the 80s. Right, they saw a decade apart. There was no issues those days. I mean, there, there was there was all these people around, right? But we had no issues with them. Today, there seems to be an issue with anything. You think so? You think so? Yeah, yeah, it's like this. You know, if I don't like you, right, you don't like me, okay? I'll say you're homophobic or you're racist. Not because you don't like me, you know, or I don't like you. Whereas those days, right, you did like someone, then you do like someone. They were, they were this and they were that. Like I, like I mentioned about our friend Tony. Right, mm. you don't like him, you don't like him. These days, right, you don't like someone, you are labeling them. You label yeah, the label. Instead of accepting the fact, right, they're just an arsehole or 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 or, or, or whatever. They, yeah. And that's what I find today's wrong with society, which affects the workplace. It affects everything, really. You know, you're talking about the council culture. It just, I think the the young generation. I've got a very, very sad message for their future. I really, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky I don't have children to cross with you because I'll, I'll be, I will leave the country if this is the narrative now, because mm. you know the, these um, historic um, cases with these school kids. I mean, we all battered the school, didn't we? We all, you know, we all, we all sort of said something to a girl or pitched their bottom or pitched their whatever, or, and vice versa. That is actually historic sex problems. That is, that's, mm. a, that's, you know what I mean? The other day, she was saying that when she was younger and used to go to clubs, you'd have men pinching your bum all night long, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. it's just, and you, you'd turn around and there'd be like, what's the boom? Yeah. But you saw it as a bit of, was it flirting? Was it a bit of flirting? Was it a bit of fun? Was it so like sexually? Did, did it make you feel uncomfortable? No. Or did it make you feel Hi. like... Hi. Hi. No. Hello. No, it didn't make me feel uncomfortable because I was so used to it. Sure. You go out and you get a hand up your skirt and you get your bum pinched. Yeah. Every now and then you get your boob grabbed. When you're dancing, you get some man coming up behind you and rubbing yeah. his willy on your bum. It literally... <laughs> wow. I never did things like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with me. But no, it, it just, it was one of those things. It never had, it happened all the time. It never got me angry. I just thought that's what happens when you go out with a short it, 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 Exactly. You've got, you've got, you've back on it in hindsight though. looking back it's, it's not a good thing is it i mean that can't, i think you've learned to accept now that it's bang out of order yeah, i mean you, you can't be going me. around doing that can you no but you know what this has all kind of come to light around over lockdown and i'd be interested to know what happens when all the nightclubs start, start no the me too movement's slaughtered that yes but hasn't i it don't think i don't think anyone was going to nightclubs ever. But, no, but then but can i say something i mean I mean, what what uh, what she was saying? She's hundred percent right, yeah. In, in fact, but that's flirting, right? That's all right. There could be quite a bit of sexual predatory to it as well, quite nastiness. But also, if you take away the light-sighted side of it, right, a bit of a bit of humour, 
that disappears, doesn't it, you know, from our culture? And where does that leave the the, um, the young generation if there's no humour in the um, the flirtation? Yeah, don't, you think, don't you think that they could that you could still have humour and flirtation? No, like, I don't think so. Your hand up someone's skirt. You just no, got to be a bit yeah. There's a limit. There's a limit. There's a limit. Yeah, you just got to be a bit clever. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think this is typical of context because, like in today's science society, obviously context is like really important. Like on the situation, the context of you going out in your short skirt at the nightclub, mm. you know, that was kind of the done thing there. A lot of stuff that people are getting cancelled for today is written down on the internet, where context is very hard to shape isn't it like yeah. you might you might be cheeky tongue-in-cheek like you know playing around the salon but because people can read each other's faces and go nudge nudge wink wink it takes that kind of um intent out of it do you know what i mean it makes it and also when you're in the playground doing that it's he said she said whereas when, when you've got it on, down, when it's written yeah, down on Instagram, online. you can't go away from yeah, it, can you? Well, well there, there was that girl, right, that saw, like, well, to do again at private school. She saw, like, she's got this website, haven't she, where anybody who's been harassed in a playground or a school, right, to go on this uh, website and get uh, call these boys out. I mean, there's a boy, right, 18 years old. When he was 15, 16 years old, right, all right, he might touch the girl's boobs or whatever. But his life is ruined at 18 years old. What what yeah. life has he got? That's the problem, I yeah. think, that the you know, the young generation have got because it's quite easy to sort of like uh, not label it, but criticize their innocence. Because I think at, maybe at 21, 22, 18, 19, I agree with they shouldn't do it. But at 15, 16, 14, I don't know. I think there's a, there's a little bit it's of innocence. It's part of growing there. up, isn't it? It is part of growing up, you know. Yeah, it, it is. You know? I mean, I when are police going to be sent round to, like, two 11-year-olds' house because they were fighting in the playground? Uh, well, this is it. You know, they're also, you get girls, right? Like, you know, you've got children at 13, 4, they're insecure. You know, maybe a boy would chat them up. That, that's what should make them feel good, not actually make them more defensive-minded. Yeah. I I, I, cause I don't have children, so I can't speak on their behalf. Why didn't you have children, Joe? Um, sad story, Lee. We 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 actually, you know, I'm not going to bring out the small violin, but we we were those unfortunate people that my wife experienced the free disaster. She had a miscarriage. We had to terminate, as she was ectopic. Did you ever watch the Dirty Harry films? You know, Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry films. Mm -hmm. Love Dirty Harry. Go ahead, make my day, right? Yeah, right. Well, there, was, there, was, there, there, there was one film, there's one of his films, right? his catchphrase was, our souls are like opinions. Everyone's got one. You know what I mean? And like, because it, uh, it, it was always anti liberal. Was that his line? Yeah, that was his line. Yeah, that was from his film. Our, yeah. our souls, uh, appears like our souls. Everyone's got one. I know yeah. that was from his film. And it was just anti-liberal, anti-establishment. Because Dirty Harry, right, was a fair, reasonable copper, but it was just anti-liberals because it's just prevented him from doing his job. Yeah. Really. Well, I mean, cancel culture by definition is about opinions. Someone expressing an opinion that somebody else doesn't like and therefore labeling them and getting them ostracized. Yeah, but, but was it that was it that court case a couple of years ago where um you can't you had the right to criticize if you know what I mean as as much as you got a right to praise, you got a right no, to No, no, I didn't say well. criticize, I said express an opinion uh, that somebody else may find offensive. Offensive. 
So that's where cancel culture is. So if that person has expressed an opinion, they can then be ostracized and labeled as racist, bigot, Brexiter, Remainer, yeah. anti-vax, yeah. you know what I mean? Anti-lockdown, COVID. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's yeah. reaching for labels to put everyone in a bucket. Well, well, why is that then? Why is that? Is, is it because they're failures in life that they need to gravitate to something? I mean, who's the most, who's the last great successful person you could actually look up to? Because I was thinking about this, right? If you look at sort of like Roman Abobovich, sort of like Mohammed, you know, the Crown Prince or, you know, the Chinese and things like that, right? All these guys are mega wealthy, yeah? They don't tell you how to live your life. Whereas you've got Jeff Bezos, you've got Zuckerberg, you've got Musk, you've got that guy from PayPal, you've got all these, you know, Google. They all tell you how to lead their lives. You know what I mean? They all tell you how to live a life. Whereas the ones with the real money, because they've got half cash, they're not telling you how to live your life. They, these, the, the Americans, they've got sort of technology, they've got whatever. But I don't think they've got half cash behind them as such. So they're billionaires. Is this so? Hang on. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure they're telling you how to live their life. They or, are. or they is are. somebody else writing? Is somebody else analysing how they live their life and then they're well? Well, they control it, right? They control. I mean, Donald Trump um, um, tried to sort of like restrict them. You know, then we try to do that here now. I mean, the British are trying to restrict the, the tech firms, but the Americans are retaliating now, right? Uh, but if you actually look at all the rich people in the world, I mean, look, leagues come across mega wealthy people, you know, for our careers. I don't recall anyone telling me how to live my life. They tell you what to achieve or how to be, but don't tell you how to live a life, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas these these group of people from the from the Americas and, and from this shores, they tell you how to but how to be obsessed by it because these people that have had really successful lives, you want to mirror them, don't you? You well, want to we, find out what makes them tick and what makes them passionate and successful. And and they're just sharing with you their story. They're doing it. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, this is it. They've just got a story, right? But, you know, okay, you know, let's let's take Roman Abramovich, right? You know, everyone thinks he's a gangster, he's dirty money, blah, blah, blah. But maybe he, he might have just he struggled at one point. And he, he worked with, but he doesn't preach. That's the thing, you know. You know, I think with people with money, shouldn't mm. preach. Yeah. Well, there's a great book by Ray Dalio called Principles. Principles, and okay. He, and he and he owns the uh, most profitable hedge fund in the world. He's worth about ten billion. And he's wrote this book on principles. And it's basically, he's like, look, I've made it. I'm, I've, yeah. I've got the most successful hedge fund company in the world. <clears throat> and he said, I just wish every successful person before me had written down their principles in life because mm. it might have made my journey a bit easier. I want to know the principles of these people that have lived them kind of lives. And his book is all about his principles. And I am blown away by his book. I'm, I'm halfway through at the moment. It's just the most incredible um, but, but Lee, I mean, you're you're a successful person, right? You are successful. I remember when I opened up my first salon, uh, a little salon in Hadley. I discovered Ziggy Ziglar and Anthony Robbins, and um, yeah. and I was obsessed by him because um, 
you know, being some little punk who, you know, went from Neville Daniels to my mum's dining room, I didn't have a clue about business or management or anything, yeah. really. I had a crazy dad who, whose principles were all over the place, you know what I mean? Well, he was successful. <laughs> he was successful, and, and I suppose I, I did get my drive from him. But, um, but, you know, listening to these other people that have made real successes in their life, and not just financial, but have been really happy and content, yeah. you know, uh, I've learned, I, I can, you know, the, the success I've had in life is definitely down to um, studying their success. Right. You know, right. I, for me anyway, it's not the same for everybody. Well, look, it, uh, yeah, Lee loves self-improvement. Well, always, I, I, I know, you know what, it, it, it's part of his DNA because that, when he started as a junior, that's how he started, he stays with you. It doesn't yeah. disappear, it doesn't die. And I get exactly where you're saying from coming from right and this is the thing though right i think where where society is is completely um mi misguided is that everybody gets the same information but it's how they digest it yeah but you say that uh joe but not everyone does does get the same uh information because okay. most people don't read they don't well, see it. Well, well, they read it, but they can't understand it, right? They don't even head, read it, mate. They don't even read yeah, it. They're, they're just looking at the words. They're just they're, 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 they don't even buy the book. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what most people do. They, they don't get involved at all. And then how the hell are you going to learn? I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people do, and some people make a real success of their life. But if you're trying to muddle through life, learning and make, you know, learning from your own mistakes, it's going to be a very yeah. painful, long journey, isn't it? It is. I mean, look, it's like someone said to me, do I know anything about Vivaldi? You know, the, the Four Seasons. I like the music, but I know nothing about him, right? I don't know nothing yeah. about Vivaldi. And I, I was, you know, she, she was explaining to me about Vivaldi, uh, his, his uh, upbringing and blah, 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 the Four Seasons. And I thought, how's that going to help me pay my mortgage? <laughs> you know what I mean? He's well, the guy that... Vivaldi's like a classical... Composer. Yeah, classical music. Right, yeah, it's a very famous, um, sort of like, um, piece, right? Yeah, and, and someone educated me about the boldly. Yeah, so, I mean, okay, I like the music, that's as far as it goes. I don't need to know the rest because it's not going to help me build up a clientele, it's not yeah. going to help me pay my mortgage. So, there's certain information you need, but certain information it just yeah, but then, but don't you think that you have to, you know, wade, you have to kiss a few frogs, don't you? Of course you do. Look, I, I remember um, I, I, there was a friend of mine, right? We were uh, we were coming back from a nightclub in the Tottenham Court Road, about sort of 76, 70, about 77, right? And I was sitting in the back of my friend's Ford Escort, yeah? So, yeah, we, we're pulling up, we're going down um, Camden Road and about one o'clock in the morning. And he pulled up beside his Rolls Royce. And my friend right, pulls up and says to him, Oh, it makes that you must have won the pools because those days pools was the biggest um, mantra yeah. thing. And he goes, Oh, you know, my friend was saying, Nice car, nice car. Now there's four kids in the car, right? I'm sitting in the back. There's Michael Pan's piece from me. And this bloke in the Rolls Royce sort of said, Just work hard, you get what you want. Now, out of those four kids, who listened? Don't know. You. I did. That's right. Oh, I you did. was in the back. 
Yeah, I was sitting in the back, right? And this guy in the Rolls Royce said, thank you very much for the compliment oh. to my friend. But my friend's been sarcastic. You know, you yeah. nice car, mister. You must have won the pools, blah, 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 blah. And the guy, right, just being nice, he said, thank you, guys. Just work hard and you get what you want. And yeah. those four kids, I listened. Mm. I did. So what happened to the other four kids? Well, I mean, my friend, one's Michael, I don't know what's happened. Peter was uh, working the rank trade. That doesn't exist anymore. And Pants, you know Pants? You know, you, you played golf with him. He, he went yeah, down to the Cyprus. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, so you know, you, there's advice out there. It's how you interpret it and who interprets it. Yeah, I think, yeah. Well, so, so how do we solve that today when distraction is everywhere, right? You I can't, mean, you can't. Because social media, <laughs> t- t- TV, newspapers. <laughs> I mean, that's what does my head in. People are more concerned with dancing on ice. You um, can't. You, you're lost. So what an actor's done, you know, because that obviously gets a million clicks on on Google. Yeah. As opposed to what we were saying about, you know, a government poll about, you know, when lockdown, when we should, you know, open up again. You would like to think people be more engaged in that conversation. Yeah, but everyone's always else. been but, in a yeah. celebrity, aren't they? Like, but everyone's... Yeah. I, I, I think society lost 20 years ago. Don't even pick up the book because they they're distracted. Most people don't. They're distracted well, by everything well, else going on around Because they're not, they're not, they're not focused and they're not driven. Yeah. And the thing is, is that um, and they're know, quite easy and, to blame their failures or something else, right? And to yeah. be quite honest, yeah, that's the thing. In our game, you know, I've I've always believed that in hairdressing. You know, as much as, you know, it is a brilliant industry and I absolutely loved it. I mean, I rang the bell like we all have been involved yeah. in it. Yeah. You know, most people in the industry, it's not like being a solicitor where 90% of them are focused and driven. You know, in hairdressing, it's only 10% of them that are focused and driven. Yeah. So you can yeah. rise, you know, yeah. quite yes. quickly mm. because yeah. the people around you, you are not like it. Yeah. I, I, listen, we, 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 had, we had advantages as well. Working where we work, right? we had advantages because we love women as well. I mm. mean, when I say we love women, we love women. <laughs> do, 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 do you know what I mean? And, and that's a quality. I'm not, I'm not sort of saying no one loves women type of thing, but I'm just sort of saying we, it is a great industry. But unfortunate thing is, right, it's just so, like, like Aaron said, we're just treading on thin ice. In, in all departments of it now, in, in all areas of our industry, it, it just so mm. it's sad to see. It really is sad to see. I mean, we, me and Aaron, we were talking about this years ago, Lee. We was we were talking about how fragile the fragile the industry is. It, even before the lockdown, we knew. I mean, I wish I could sort of say I saw my business because I saw it coming. You know what I mean? This pandemic, but it's not the case. But we, we knew then, Rob, that this these top salons, these are Richard Walls or Daniel Galvin's, well, not so much Daniel Galvin, these are Joe has the Neville, Neville's or Denmark, right? They were just giving a completely different image of the industry. I really do believe because we, we were sort of like seduced by fashion shows, product shows, these and these and these. And, and Instagram came in, the Facebook came in, Twitter came in. Again, we got re- they, the industry got reliant on those things. Whereas at their day, the most important person, they disregarded, which was a client in front of them. They can't see the client in front of them. They can see the clients back in, um, who's watching them on Instagram, 
who's following on Facebook yeah. and things like that. They can see all that, but the person you follow them never did that. I mean, I know myself. I mean, as a hairdresser, yeah. working in working in behind a chair, right? My clients never went on Instagram. They never did Facebook to get inspiration. Yeah. Sure. And, and, and I think that's where the whole in, in industry suffered big time. So, yeah, so people are basically putting a lot more focus on their content creation, their social media, and they're putting more value into that bucket than they are yeah, in the we, person. But we all know and, 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 if you get so, that right, I mean, it's marketing, isn't it? Yeah, it's marketing. If you get branding, it right, it's brilliant. Branding. You know, if you don't get involved in that, in this day and age, you'll do it at your own peril, won't you? Oh, listen, I agree with you. We, we talked about it the other day with digital marketing. I, I frankly agree. But I think what, what I'm trying to say is, right, is that because there's so much noise in, in this in this space, right, that you can't, there's certain things you can't say, certain things you can't do, certain things. Mm. So you avoid all that as well, don't you? So you want to do this, but there's a path to it. It's like a video game, isn't there? You know, like when you, you keep dying, right, till you get to the next checkpoint. Yeah. And then you, but don't and then you, you keep... know, it's a different game now, and the game is always going to change. I mean, no, look at, I, look, I, no. Look no, at Sophia Hilton, for example. I think she's treading it beautifully yeah. because yeah. she's rock and roll. She's getting yeah. her boobs out. You know, she's saying the right thing. She's producing the right... She's as controversial as you can be but still inspiring and not going over that, that line. You know what I mean? But I, there, there was that, there was that new generation of hairdressers that actually pulled away from, you know, like... You Is know, she getting the benefit of the doubt because she's a woman, do you think? Or do you think a man could do that in today's... It's, 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 it's like David right. Beckham could probably do that, it's right? Awesome. He could say whatever he wants, David Beckham, but he'd get a pass, wouldn't he? Yeah. Do you not David, 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 yeah David Beckham's got a pass, yeah. I mean, I think someone like Sophia Hilton, you know, comes around once in a generation. They're just man or woman. They just get it right, don't they? Sure. But but also, she she actually didn't sort of like go with go through a normal challenge. She didn't want to be in the West End, did she? You know, if you actually... Well, no, she's from Blackpool. Do you know she actually, before she, you know, she came to London and went and worked for Sally Brooks. She really? told me that she came for an interview at the Soho Salon. Really? Yeah. In Wardour Street. In Wardour Street. Oh, funny. Yeah. You've got Sophia Hilton. Right, Hang on, Sophie that's another Hilton. headline. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> Lee Stafford made Sophia Hilton by turning her down. Yeah, exactly. turn her down. <laughs> when she told that's me right. that, I was that's like, right. you made the right move, bro. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You, made it, yeah, you gave the inspiration, you right? You made the right, right move. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah. I, I I think our industry is amazing. I, I totally agree with Lee. And, and this is why me and I are still passionate about it. We really are mm. passionate. But we criticise the way it's been looked at. And it's all completely wrong. The, the messages... In what way? In what way? Because the, we, we, actually did this, we, we actually did it on a, on a, on a survey, right? That all, all the big boys are making the biggest noises. When it, when it comes to the regulations well, let, me, or let, me, let me give Lee the context so this was a Go Save on. Our Salon campaign that all revolves around VAT and because hospitality had their VAT reduced from 20% to 5% a lot of elite salons got on the buzz of well, oh no you yeah, tell me about yeah. this yeah so basically, well, and, we, we tried to explore it, didn't we, Joe? Well, and you know, and I know, I, I know myself when I when I first started Draco Avenue. The amount of animosity I've got from my peers, okay, 
because I took staff away from this and that, you know. They, they were, they were, they, the last thing they wanted to do, right, see you succeed. Yeah. Mm. So it's a very, it's a very competitive um, industry. It's, it's, and it, but it's nasty. I mean, now there's this sort of narrative that we all we one big family, but people like me. So you know what? You like you, you wolves in sheep's clothing. There, there's no way, right, that I'm going to take you seriously. I mean, it's always been competitive. Um, which, is, which is fine, which is right, like like, is like any business yeah. and any industry, and um, and you just got to get on with it, and yeah, you just that's got right. to right. get to the top of the league, isn't you? I mean, well, I, I, when I when I got my when I got my first accountant, right, it said to me, "Don't worry what other people are doing." You know, this as a sudden owner, you don't worry what every every Tom Dick and Harry's doing. So yes, you know, Neville's going through this, Daniel's doing this, you know, Villas is doing, Lee's got his stuff. All the all the people that I know all got their brands out there, but it didn't hinder me. Bravo to you all, but it didn't stop me from be, having my principles. Yeah, I mean, people do worry, don't they? You know, hence why they're always looking for um, answers. But the answers just stay in front of you, which is the client. In itself, because you know, you know, Lee and Aaron, when you got when you got a client in, in front of you, right, in a mirror, you could be anywhere in the world. I mean, I've worked in, in many places around the world, right? A chair in a mirror is just a chair in a mirror. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I could be in the moon doing a haircut, right? It's still be a chair in a mirror. Do you mm. know, still doing a haircut. You know, what difference? Mm. So I, I don't understand why people just never saw the beauty of that really so you don't have to sort of like try and change it's like trying to try and reinvent the wheel it's not going to happen and i think that's where the industry has really lost itself is that it's you know there's too many shampoos out there there's too many blow dry lotion there's too many of all these kind of things right and they do they all say the same thing you know so who's right Really, out there day, I and I think that's where the industry has to really, and I keep saying all the time to Aaron, we have to go back to basics in order to go forward. Because right now, you know, with this um, pandemic, the all, I mean, I, I was saying the other day, I would not be in a comfortable position for for the coming few years within the industry. I'll be so worried. What do you mean really in the worried. context of if you still had a salon, you had to navigate yeah. this whole reopening, yeah. sanitizing? Yeah. Oh, it must be a nightmare. It I must think. be a nightmare. And the other thing that, for me, always drove me crazy in this industry, and it's even worse now, is that um, all you know back in the days, you remember when the the um, the computer on the desk was protected because that's where all the client's details yeah. were. Yeah. And, and if and if a stylist couldn't get or couldn't bribe or blackmail the receptionist yeah, yeah. that list, they couldn't really move, right? That's right. Yeah. Now, you know, every stylist has got every client on their Instagram or Facebook. That's and right. and uh, you know, stylists just can leave whenever they want and Basically, they they just got you over a barrel, aren't they? Because so the, well, the stuff stuff is key. Stuff is key. Oh, it's, it, it's ruined it because the thing is, when you know, I, I haven't had salons now for a few years, but you know, I, I, in the end, I was walking around on eggshells because you know, if I had a new system that I wanted to put in place, it might just be a new consultation, for example, right? Yeah. Tested this new consultation, it gets better results, right? 
You try implementing that to your team. I don't want to do a consultation like that. My client likes the consultations the way I do them. And if you force it through, they leave and they take all their clients with them. I mean, it's very hard to build a business now. So it's very hard to manage the quality of what you're churning out. This it's, is what we've been saying. I mean, and, and Charles Worthington always, my finance director of Lee Stafford Education is yeah. the finance was the finance director of Charles Worthington before he had his brand, during his brand, and yeah. after exit. Yeah, I've, and, I've so, yeah. and basically, Charles Worthington, because his, his partner, husband, you know, ruled the salon with an iron fist, right? Very different to how I run it. You know. Yeah, he was, a, he was an architect or something like that, was he? Something like that. Was uh, Charles did, I think Charles was going to study that. But yeah. his, his, his partner was a hard-nosed businessman. And everyone had to have their hair in a certain way. Everyone had to do their consultation a certain way. It, it was run like a military operation. And if any stylist yeah. didn't do exactly what the steps were, mm. then they were gone, right? So yeah, consequently, yeah. what happened was, is that... If a stylist left, the client might follow them, but then they'd go to this other salon where they weren't yeah. treated like a queen. That's right. The person didn't know what how many sugars they had in their coffee and, 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 and all the service and trapping. So Charles Worthington, they were all going back for the Charles Worthington experience. You know, yeah, rather that's than right. That's right. Stylist, you know. Well, yeah, it's quite interesting because I think every salon owner, I mean, and I learned this, right, was that if a stylist leaves, that 50% of their clients will stay, still stay with you because they're the salon clients. They're not the... Because I don't believe a hairdresser has every right to every client. On this. I mean, I know when I, when I left Neville's to start my uh, salon, Draco Avenue, I probably had about 40% of my clients t- turn up at me. Seriously. 60% How long was the salon away, though? Well, you talk about Pond Street, you talk about Draco Avenue. As crow's fly, 500 yards. Right, five hundred yards, mate. Mm. Seriously, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I've I had stylists leave me and take a lot of their clients, you know. So they they, they yeah. have got the power to do that, and, and it's very hard to build a business when you know when that can happen. And, and you know, and that, but that's the beauty about re- um, not being regulated, you know, in free competition, free enterprise. You know, you you, you take you you got to take the thing with the uh, the smooth as well, like you know, what I mean, because. Mm. It, it, it creates this kind of um, environment, right? You know, with, you know by trying to re- trying to have restrictions into it, it suffocates, and you cannot suffocate a hairdresser because we are non-conformist people. You, you mm. try to conform us, it doesn't work. I mean, you you're a non-conformist. I'm definitely a non-conformist. I'm not sort of saying we're lawbreakers. We 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 have a set of rules that we uh, we go by, and we live by it, which is you know, which is all like. Bravo, but you know we're still quite um, non-conformist, mm. you know, and, and and you cannot suffocate that, which is where I think the the whole industry is is where it is now. It's trying to conform, and like I said, with social media, with regulations, with products, with styles, everything. If you actually look at Instagram, it's all the same look. You know, the back of a hairstyle, a bit of weight, a bit of color. It's all the same look. There's mm. nothing. Well, that, well, that that is that is the trend, mate. And it when we look back on this decade, it's all going to be long, wavy, yeah. hair, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. That's the look. I mean, every every year it's got to look, <laughs> yeah. and that's ours, isn't it? But it's been like that for about twenty years, hasn't there? I mean, if no, it is... it long hair's only been big for about ten years. 
Do you think? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, it's, about, it's about 10 years. I mean, which was the last great inspirational haircut? Well, when you go back to... Um, from Rachel, from, Prince, think, Prince. Before, before we had the curl, what did we have? Was it, was it straight? Was it straight? Cheryl it was Cole poker was straight, wasn't it? Well, that was, yeah. uh, poker straight was more early 90s, all saying. No, it yeah. was late, late 90s. No, I've, I've late been the last great hairstyle was uh, Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Mid 90s, mid 90s to no, late 90s. It was, it was straight. Much, no, much, GHD didn't come out <clears> in 2000. Oh, 2000, that was it, about yeah, 2006. Right. So yeah. you had a decade of from 2000 to 2010 where hair was poker straight. Yeah. That was it. That was it. And then it went from poker straight. To wavy. It's a big blow dry. And when you think of poker straight hair, there was all little haircuts, weren't there? Mm. I mean, you might yeah. have had some people that had longer, but everyone was having haircuts with the straight hair. Yeah. You know, now it's not haircuts, it's, it's just texture, long, natural, natural yeah. wavy hair, isn't it? Extensions. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're not wrong there, actually. I, I, I kind of sort of see that. But, but it's been a completely uninspirational, though, hasn't it? Really, if you mm. think about it. I, I, you know, because the last great hairstyle that I'll probably think was probably Jennifer Aniston. You know, you know the the uh, the Rachel look. You know, that sort of wonderful texture, all these sort of jagged edges around the front. Mm. Well, you, you, know, had, back you, had the, you had the pop, didn't you? That yeah, massive, wasn't it? Pop. Yeah, yeah, one lopsided box. Yeah. One lopsided box. When she yeah. went from cutting all of her hair extensions out. Yeah, she had the bob, so didn't she? Real, yeah, that's right. Impact, Joe's that, And true. then you had the other one. What was the other one? Where she had the asymmetric. Where was girls allowed? Was it? She had that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not Cheryl. Cause one of them. She had that look. I, I, that. I think my clothes were too old by that time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then we're yeah. having that, you know. I think the bigger question, though, I think the bigger question is like you was obviously both talking about competition earlier on, um, you know. And if we do overregulate a creative industry, will that suffocate the competition? Will that yeah, make it even it worse? Yeah, that I think so. Worse? I think so. I think so. Because you're not going to get the you're not going to get the right people going into the industry. See, it's not so much people being in the industry. Is you want the right people to be in the industry, don't you? You know what? You want the you want the people to be aspirational and and to sort of take that leap forward. But if you go through a sort of very robotic uh, of generational hairdressers, that's what it's going to be. Now, I mean, the interesting thing I was talking to um, David, you know, my friend David, right? And he was talking, you know, in medicine, AI. They got yeah, you know, with these surgeons, right? They got AI behind them, replicating their moves into doing their um, surgery. So they're actually absorbing all the information, all the um, the data from a surgeon's operation, right? Going into the AI. So eventually, the, the AI would do be doing minor surgeries. This is in the near future. Mm. So if they're going to start doing minor surgeries in the near future, eventually they're going to do all the surgeries. So I'm thinking, would hairdressers be like that as well? Because yeah, you know, here you are, Lee. You do the haircut, and you've got an AI behind you who's actually watching the way you move around That's because learning. yeah because it's all about flair to do a haircut is all about flair isn't it right well it is but you could pretty much you know there's a lot of technique there i mean you know of i reckon 99.9 percent of haircuts and ai could could copy mm. yeah you know, That's right. as long as the person I, mean, I know what you're saying joe flair is like where a client sits down and says you know i don't know what to have and you go well yes, i'm looking to me and you'll do it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, an AI might find that, I don't know. 
Yeah. But yeah. If the person goes, I want that. Yeah. What Aaron did. Yeah. Know, the, choose on the menu. Choose on the menu. One to nine. Yeah. Give me number nine. Well, it might be hundred different looks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. And and AI eventually. I mean, we were talking about will AI ever take uh, take over industry? You know, you think about it, it will take over the industry. I, I can sort of see it. I'll share with Lee that robot video, that guy in his garage who yes. made a robot yeah. machine. Yeah. And although he, it wasn't perfect, no, it doesn't require him to do a lot of tweaking to make no, it, it perfect. Yeah. You know I mean, we yeah, we we a threat there on hairdressing in 10, mm, 15 God, years. Yes, that. It, 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 exactly. So, yeah, again, right, the industry is completely unaware because, you know, the psychology or the mentality is, right, AI would never ever take our business. It does and it will. And you need to embrace it. Because, mm -hmm. again, right, you, you talk about the um, public liability insurance is all coming out now, right? Yeah. I mean, can you That's imagine... Regulation, you, regulation you, on steroids, a, that is, isn't it? A client, right, would soon eventually sue you for cutting her hair a millimetre too short. One, one strand of hair, one millimetre too short, she'd be able to sue you. <laughs> I Well, I tell you, it will because it will cause it will cause that person emotional stress, right? And you know, you know, I'm not sorry to say in America, but parts of the world, you can sue for anything, right? You can sue for mm. anything, mm. and that's how we're becoming. Again, the industry is putting all these things into place for it, right? Mm. You know, again, they don't understand the what they're doing. Yes, they want to do this. They want to protect this and this and this. By who they're protecting. Well, we talk about this all the time. This is the unintended consequences, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, a lot of these people that are kind of, you know, going public and they're putting their stuff on social and, yeah, one voice and all that, they're not thinking it through because, no. obviously, if they get their way, what is the industry going to look like in five years' time when, you know, for a client to come in for a consultation, oh, patch test, this, that, and the other, oh, we've got to send it off to a lab, and then you've got yeah, to come yeah, back exactly. in later. You've got to go for all these processes. Yeah, but a patch test, you can't that, can't you? Yeah, no, but, yeah, but, but, te but, technology, but technology would be solving that, though. Technology would solve yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and but then, how expensive is that technology then for the You said it was about a mirror, scissors and a comb, and a mirror, and that's what hairdressing is about. It, it is, but unfortunately, it regulation. Be. But regulations, right, is bringing all these things into play, though. Because well, how yeah. are you going to get around regulations, technology? How are you going to get around about staff, um, um, staff um, holidays and things like that? Employment laws, technology. You get get all through this, right? Through um, um, employment laws and technology or something. I mean, this, let's go back to the VAT thing, right? Now, I was thinking about this. What made the industry think? They, they're the same level as a hospitality section, right? You know, you know, you, Lee, and Aaron, and me, right? Well, we could do one haircut in an hour, right? In the hospitality sector, they could they have to serve 100 people. You know what I mean? So, again, the hairdressing industry, trying to get the same breaks as the hospitality sector. Yeah, why? it's completely different, yeah. Why? Well, this <laughs> you was know what I mean? Point, wasn't it? This was our point. The point was... We're not the same as hospitality. You we know. work a time-based service. We can only do so many things in one hour. Whereas if yeah. you're a hospitality, you can serve a hundred meals in that exactly. one hour. Do you know what I mean? So the fact that they're trying to 
use what's happening in hospitality and oh treat us with the same it's like we're completely separate we shouldn't even be exposed to VAT. exactly i mean lee can i can I ask you a question right Mm -hmm. when you did your pricing in your salons right did you did you account for the vat in your haircuts um no no, we, we never did, but we sh- that's been that's when again, right? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be admitting that I, I was privy to that. We should have done, I think we should have done. We should have passed the VAT onto the client, like most industries have done so, mm. right? rather than you know, sort of t- take it off the hairdresser. As, as yeah, I mean, you would, you would always say, How much is your bill? and you'd say, I don't know, whatever it is, 50 quid. You yeah. shouldn't really say 50 quid. Plus VAT. That's right. I think that's what, yeah. No. Uh, well, that's what we should have done. Yeah, just scared to charge money, yeah. mate. It's always yeah. been the same, yeah. isn't it? You know. Yeah. But is yeah. regu- right? So here we go. So here's the question: Is regulation going to solve that? Because obviously we've got a uh, we've got a body of people that think if we regulate, then we can charge more money. Well, uh, what is a chicken and egg? What do you think? I, I think that. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, I think the regulation would be a good thing if it could be done properly. Mm. But the problem is, no one's doing it properly, are they? No. You know, well, it's just a shame. Well, that because we, we discovered, right, it's only for the three to seven percent of the industry. Yeah. Whereas ninety three percent of the industry, right, it, it, it's it's going to destroy them. We we discovered that, you know, if, if but the government knows that. It's not like we know it. Yeah. Why would it destroy it. them? Because, um, Aaron, we saw a lot. Most hairdressers selling, right, are below the VAT threshold. Yeah. Right? So you start bringing, not so much, they, they, want, they don't want to sort of reduce the VAT, right? They want to bring regulations in. So we start becoming regulations and they're going to make it stricter, tighter. What you mean regulations in the sense of, you know, you've got to have... Uh, and and assessor to be sort of, to pass off a shampoo. You've got to have, you've got to have this, uh, some protocols and things like that, right? Most hairdressers salons work under the radar you know they provide a service to the community they provide they provide an employment to the community and things like that and they provide health and well-being to the community right exactly didn't i hear in japan or something that that's all regulated out there and in japan hairdressers are really respected and they earn good money out there i think that the problem is because anyone can get into the industry and open up a salon and start cutting hair, probably does take the professionalism away yeah. from a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, and people don't take it as serious. The problem is, it's just, you know, no one's, there's no governing body or institution that's come oh. along. Okay. There's plenty of governing bodies here. In this, okay, in this all area. right. All right, well, let's let's extrapolate on what Lee's just said there. So, look, measure both of your careers and how they began and how they turned out under the you know the the auspices well, of having to be regulated from day there, one. There, there was there was never. He I mean, wouldn't have been able to cut air in his kitchen. He wouldn't have got his. No, but I've had to find a different way, wouldn't I? Yeah, you have had to find. Yeah. I mean, when we say regulated, it's just a bit like a dentist. You know, you'd, you'd want someone to go to a reputable school, you know what I mean, have a reputable, ex, uh, you know, exact, and pass it. You just want to know that someone has been through some serious professional training. And um, and there's a lot of people out there that haven't, you know. They might go to college, you know, 
leave college with a certificate, but that ain't worth a light. Mm. Set up a shop. Apprenticeship is dead, basically speaking, isn't it? It's, it's more it's more so like in line with um, academies, MBQs, colleges, and... MBQs. Well, no, right? the, the new one's going to be the T level, isn't it? Which is, the new, which is the new apprenticeship. I mean, that's I was the chair of that's that. A, that's of a, that's a, how, how would that? How does that work then? How does that work? Well, it's just a new MVQ, basically. Right. It's, uh, it's the new name for the MVQ. It's the new apprenticeship. I was the chair for the Department oh, of Education. It was your idea, then. No, <laughs> it's your it idea. No idea. It was just that for years and years, you know, we're all complaining about this and that, like we are now. And um, and there was this, um, and the Department of Education were look was setting up a, a a board, and they were looking for people to go onto this board. To um to instigate the new T level and yeah, were... to, to hold up to move the conversation forward. So were they not happy then with the present MBQ education system? No, well, it was time based, weren't it? Yeah. Basically, you can pass a level two MBQ in nine months, and everyone agreed pretty much across the board that people need to be doing hair for two years before they can. And also, with this new lit T level, you have to go out and spend 41 days, I think it is, in a pro salon, yeah. It's a bit like the American cosmetology where they've got so many hours behind them. Is that right? Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a little it's bit. Like, it's like, like, it's like, 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 yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I mean, that'd be interesting because... Well, yeah, but, yeah. That isn't, but Joe, this isn't regulation. This is where I think the conversation gets diluted. I think that's, 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 that's education. Too. That's education. That's education and that's obviously learning your craft. Yeah. Regulation is slash like, registration is about signing up you know, registration, I, I don't agree with that argument at all. That's just sign up to a list and give us 50 quid a year. Yeah, but that's no good. No one, no one's ever going to take that seriously. It's not credible. Well, that's... I was dinner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, dinner's ready? Dinner's <laughs> ready. I'm going to get my delivery. I'm going to order delivery. Yeah. But, yeah, well, no, I think... We've... Well, we've been going for an hour and a half, so... Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. Well, two yeah. hours, I did. Two hours. Two hours. Wow. Well, we started yeah. two hours ago. Yeah. Well, yeah, we had a few teething problems, didn't we? Anyway, good to see you, Joe. Lovely to well, speak to you, darling. Yeah, there you too, mate. Lovely I'll see to you speak to you. Right, so, part one, Gotham Taxis. Yeah. The name of part two. All right, all right, then. Enjoy dinner. All right, take care. Regards. Take care. Bye. Well, what do you think of that? If you enjoyed it and you want to support the show, then leave a like, review or rating wherever you get your podcasts. For Podcasting 2.0, download Breeze app or Sphinx Chat to support your podcasters directly.